It's been almost two months since we launched She Launch, and you know when you love something so much that you want to do it every single day? That is me on the coaching calls inside She Launch. I literally want to do them every single day. I love it. And for those of you that have not heard of She Launch, it is for female coaches, consultants, and service providers who are wanting to earn six figures online with their dream business. Inside, we teach sales, marketing, leads, mindset, AI, offer mastery, and so much more. We also have just launched the She Launch CRM. Yep, we have our very own amazing CRM now, which I'm so excited about. Now, I believe this is the best online business and mindset training for female entrepreneurs, but don't take my word for it. Here is what Eilish has to say about it. The community is absolutely incredible as well. That's another thing that I really love about SheLaunch. Again, I've been in masterminds where the community's been either dead in the water or it's just had a weird vibe. (laughs) And with SheLaunch, the community is nurturing. They're really kind to each other. They're so supportive. And you feel like you are part of something really special. So if you are thinking about joining, jump on a call and then see what you think, because I know that you won't be disappointed. And this is what Rita thinks. I have absolutely loved every second of the She Launch program. I cannot explain how deeply transformative it has been for me personally. I am eternally grateful. It is worth every cent and I would highly recommend it to anybody. And here's what Belinda thinks. Signing up for She Launch is one of the best decisions I ever made. The content is extensive and groundbreaking amazing. Uh, Melissa and all the team are so supportive, helpful, always there for you and really loving kindness. Plus the connections I've made with the ladies that are in the group have been exceptional. We're all a team. We all support each other. If you're going to do something, sign up for She Launch. It's amazing. Babe, I would love and be honoured to work with you. All you have to do is head to shelaunch.com for all the details. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Head to shelaunch.com and I cannot wait to meet you. This is episode number 49 with Lorna Jane. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe to uncover the habits, mindsets, tools, and rituals that they have used to become so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful?
Before I introduce today's guest, I want to tell you two very exciting things. You can now pre-order my next book, Open Wide, The Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships and Soulful Sex. And if you pre-order before the 18th of December, you can get your hands on some epic bonuses such as retreats, juju cups, hotels, jade eggs, organic makeup, a Holden car for a weekend, books, meditations, and even a scholarship to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. How epic is that? All you have to do is head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash open wide. And on that page, you will find all the details to pre-order and claim your bonuses. So head there now. The second super exciting announcement is that my husband and I are collaborating to bring you the Open Wide Tour around Australia in January and February 2018. This is a celebration of Nick's music and to celebrate the release of my next book, Open Wide. Now imagine a TED Talk meets Coldplay concert. It's a fusion of music, meditation and motivation and you can get your tickets for that at nickandmelissa.com. In 1985, a young group fitness instructor from Brisbane, Australia, initiated the thinking of gym wear being worn as fashion lifestyle clothing. She thought if she could design pieces that were both fashionable and functional, it would inspire women to put on their active wear and actually want to work out. Hey, Wonder Woman wore lycra, why not everyone else? Lorna's unique vision quickly turned into a global movement, a complete way of life that has transformed not only what women wear all over the world, but also how they think about health and wellness. Her very own active living philosophy and daily practice of Move, Nourish, Believe are the foundations of her life and her brand. Now, I first heard about Lorna Jane when I was maybe like 10 years old, I'm not sure, because she is a fellow Brisbane babe like me, and her first store was located very close to where I lived. I think it was in Stone's Corner, I'm not sure. And my mum took me there to buy my very first crop top for dance class. And I was so inspired by this powerful woman behind this brand. Now, fast forward 20-something years, we are now really good friends, and that's the power of social media. We had been following each other for so many years, and she was inspired by me, and I was inspired by her, and she invited me to her first book launch, and we have been such great friends ever since. I even won the Lorna Jane Active Living Award last year, which recognizes women making a positive impact in the world, which I was so honored and grateful to win. And I want to let you in on a little secret. She wrote the foreword to my next book, Open Wide, but shh, don't tell anyone. She is such an inspiration to me and I cannot wait for you guys to hear this conversation. In this episode, we chat about her journey from fitness instructor to CEO of a mega global activewear company, how she overcomes fear in her daily life, her darkest times and how she has moved through them, how to bust through fear, her self-love journey, the biggest thing that has broken her heart, her best self-love tips, the biggest thing that she has struggled with all her life, which actually brought her to tears. She was 
crying on this interview, which broke my heart. But the insights and the wisdom that came out of it is just so amazing, so powerful. You guys are going to love it. We also chat about whether you can be a successful entrepreneur and have children, plus so much more. For everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 49. And without further ado, let's bring on this beautiful human being, the one and only Lorna Jane. Lorna, it is so great to have you here. I am so excited for our conversation today. But before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Oh my goodness, breakfast. I had a smoothie. It was, um, it did have a little bit of coffee in because it is (laughs) Friday. It was just coffee, banana, almond milk, ice, some collagen and protein powder. But that is my first breakfast. I'll have eggs um, in an hour or so. Yeah, yum. I love that. Now, I am so excited to have you on the show because not only are you one of my beautiful friends, but you are such an inspiration to me and you have been from a very, very long time ago. And when I think of you, there's two words that pop into my head and that is unstoppable and powerhouse. Oh my goodness. (laughs) But have you always been like that? Like, can you tell us about your journey and how you got to being this unstoppable powerhouse that you are today? Um, Well, 28 years ago, I was a fitness instructor that just couldn't find any decent active wear. I mean, at the time, there was just brands like Nike, Adidas, Reebok, and they were pretty much male-dominated brands. And any sort of female offering was just male shapes in pink, you know, (laughs) in a female color. So, I started my business just by finding that I needed something for myself. I just um, made a a newspaper pattern. I went to Lincraft at the time and bought some Lycra and I just made my own outfit. And because I was an instructor, wearing these new outfits um, just got so noticed and I just couldn't believe that people were asking me, where did I get it from? Would I make something for them as well? And so, really starting this business was an accident. I was just making something that I wanted and then the demand was created because people got to see it, you know. So, um I started making a few pieces for the people in my class and found myself every night and every weekend just, you know, making active where my whole house was just became like a lycra library. And, um, and then one day I just decided, I woke up, I remember the feeling waking up thinking, this is what I want to do. And I um, quit my day job and started doing it full time. I remember I was, because I was a fitness instructor, I organized to work on reception because I thought, well, you know, if I don't sell much active wear, I can always, you know, live on the reception money. And it seriously lasted a week. I got so busy. It was unbelievable. And and then most of the other things that have happened, especially in the early stages of the business, were just suggestions from other people. People would say, um, why don't you open a store? Because I used to just take my clothes 
and sit them next to me when I was teaching my classes and say to people, oh, you know, I make activewear if you want to come over after the class. Maybe you'd like to buy some. Um, so, and people said to me, why don't you open a store? So, I did that. And, and then that was such a success that I then decided to open another store. And it was, it was really just suggestions from other people. And then as it gained real momentum and my husband came on board, who is a pretty amazing man, um, we then took the reins and, and started to find our own path and where we wanted to take the brand. But if you had asked me in those early days when I was a fitness instructor whether I could run a business of this size, it would have definitely been no and I probably would have run for the hills because it would have scared the living daylights out of me. So um, it's good that things start slowly and that you can get comfortable with the idea of things before you have to take it on. So, yeah, I'm really grateful. And I still don't think Lorna Jane's reached its potential. There's so many more things that I want to do and achieve. How many stores have you got globally now? 250. Oh my god. I know. And you know, I haven't even been to most of them, which I find a little bit embarrassing, but it's just the reality of life, you know. Um, live video now helps us see our stores all over the world. We don't even have to be there. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about fear for a minute because fear is something that we all face in different varying degrees. Now, from the outside, it looks like you do everything pretty effortlessly. But, you know, what are the fears that you have had to overcome and how do you do it with as much ease and grace as it looks like you do? You know what? I think public perception is so far from the truth most of the time because, you know, um, I mean, I don't live in fear. I recognize it for what it is. I know that most of my fears, if they're not life-threatening, are just stories that I create in my head about things that possibly could happen, you know. Um, but I think when you're trying to break new ground and do new things and be a thought leader in what you do, you have to accept that fear is part of it. Like if I'm not a little bit anxious about something or questioning whether it's something I should do, then to me, I'm not moving forward. I don't like this sitting in your comfort zone type feeling. And, and maybe that's something that, um, I've gained over the years and getting used to it because I do believe that what you do every day prepares you for what you're going to do in the future. And yeah, I just, I have lots of fears, but I don't run from them. You know, I, I sort of, I accept why am I anxious about this? What is the story I'm creating in my head? And then I think about the very worst possibility. And then I come up with a plan to overcome that if it happens. You know, like you, you can take it back to the very early days, quitting your day job, you know, like what is the worst thing that can happen? You know, well, well, it doesn't work and I can't pay my mortgage, you know, so you just plan ahead and while you have your day job, you save some more money so that if it is a little bit slow in the beginning, you have some extra funds and, you know, worst case scenario, it doesn't work. You can always go back to doing what you're already doing. So, um, of course, you don't want that to happen, but, you know, I, I feel that living with your fear is a way to move forward in your life. And when you overcome them and you most of the time realize that they're not as bad as you ever thought they would be, I have such a great imagination, um, it's such a great feeling. And it's those moments when you've had to battle with something and come through the other end that are the celebrations and the turning points in your life. 
Mm, it's so created in our mind, isn't it? We just get carried away. And I call that voice our inner mean girl. And she goes on these tangents and she'll tell us that it's not a good, a good idea and that we're going to fail and that we shouldn't even try. But I love you. You're very similar to me. And I always, I use that fear as, um, a catalyst to keep moving forward because if something doesn't scare me a little bit, you know, I get that fear before I walk on stage or before I'm handing in my final manuscript, like that fear is there. But to me, it makes me realize that it's really important. Mm, And you know, it's really funny that you should say that because I've seen you on numerous occasions walk on stage and I've thought to myself, oh, I wish it could be as easy for me. You know what I mean? (laughs) We're possibly all thinking about that when we see someone else walk on stage because I cannot imagine that you have any fear when you walk on stage. Oh, babe, my my palms are clammy. I'm sweating. It's, It's, yeah, I mean, I get that adrenaline. It makes you do well, don't you think? It makes you that fear of possibly making a fool of yourself or not giving people what they have come to see or giving them something that can improve their lives. I think it makes you strive to be better. So we need that. Absolutely. And what is the alternative? The alternative is running back to my comfort zone and hanging out in my comfort zone. And for me, and and I'm presuming you as well, like that's not an option. No, it's not. And because I want to keep moving forward with my life, I want to be challenged. So many people, like it it happened this morning when I was walking my dog. It's like someone said to me, oh, you must be so busy. And and when are you going to relax? Or when are you going to sell the business? And I'm like, I don't want to relax. I don't want it to be easy. (laughs) I'd like to feel challenged. It makes me feel alive. But, you know, I I just feel that so many people don't feel that. and, And that's why I guess... I write books and, and, and why you write books and why we talk to people because we want people to feel that because it feels amazing. Absolutely. Now, I love your new book. It is just so beautiful. It's called Love You. And I just think it, oh, every page, I'm just like, not only is it visually so beautiful, but there's so many stories in there, the untold stories that I didn't know about you and just everything that you've put in it is just so great. Um, and you have built and created a global empire. But can you take us back to a time, because it's very easy for people to look at you from the outside and think overnight success when, you know, that is definitely not the case or, or think, oh, it was easy for her. But can you take us back to a time when you thought, holy crap, we aren't going to make this or it it was a very dark time where you couldn't see the light because I think we can learn a lot from hearing these stories. So, can you take us back to one of those times? Okay. um, This is really difficult for me and I know we've had conversations before about this because I'm like this really super positive person. I mean, I mentioned in the book that I think that positivity is my superpower and I think I was born like that. that or it was something to do with my upbringing. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I just, I'm one of those, I'm not a shoulda, woulda, coulda. I always move on. Like if something awful happens in my life, I um, fix it. If I can't fix it, I accept it, maybe do some crying and move forward, you know. So 
that's something that I don't know when I learned how to do that. It just has come natural for me or it's something that I've watched maybe someone in my family do and I've learned from it. But anyway, I feel like I've done it for as long as I can remember. So when you ask me these questions, it's really, really difficult for me to remember. And maybe I have this mental block on it. And when I was writing Love You, it was one of the hardest things. Like I went right up to my deadline because I kept showing my husband who's lived all of the difficult times with me the untold stories and he would say to me, Lorna, you haven't said enough. You haven't shared enough of how you felt when these things happened to you. And yeah, it it was really, really hard. I think I rewrote them three or four times even more, you know, that's being generous. Um, But there have been times. I mean, there was times, certain times in our business when I used to borrow money from my family to pay the payroll. It was only for like a few days, but I just didn't have enough money to, to pay the people who worked for me. Um, we lived in our factory for maybe six years, you know, and, and when all of our friends were had beautiful homes and had two cars and were going on holidays. But I think, and I, I'm sure you can relate to this too in the early days of your business, Melissa, but you don't think of it as giving up things because your dream is so big that it's just like, well, I'm just doing this because I'm focusing on my dream, you know, and, and people would say, you're working every weekend and it's like, well, I can't stop. I just like I'm waking up so excited about what I want to do. I can't wait till Monday. You know, I can't turn it off and, and start again during business hours. So a lot of the things that you do to make your business successful are things that you just cannot imagine not doing. You know, we sold our cars. We, we did everything we could to fund this business in the early days. We sold the house that we were going to spend the rest of our life in, you know, and we could even see the church that we were married on from the back deck, you know, all these sorts of things. But when the business started to gain momentum, those things didn't matter anymore. You know, it did not matter. All we wanted to do is create this brand of inspiring active wear that motivated and encouraged women to be active. And um, But I think I talk about quite a few of the challenging times if we want to get specific in the book. I mean, there was a time and, you know, I don't know everything. There was a time when we'd taken our production over to China because we simply couldn't find people to sew our garments here because no one was training. All of my sewers were like 60 and due for retirement and we had a constant ad in the paper and we're just getting no people who wanted you know, to do sewing for a living. So we had started taking our production offshore and we'd got a little bit of advice from people that we knew in the industry and one of the pieces of advice just wasn't good and we were paying, cut a long story short, we weren't paying enough um, customs. So um, I think it was just a regular check. Customs um, asked for our documents. We sent them over and before we knew it, it was like a squat team, a squad, I don't know what you call it, but a SWAT team came to our head office, closed us all down, took all our computers Oh my gosh. I know it was the worst day, well, one of the worst days of my life. And um, they were threatening jail term because we hadn't complied. And it was an honest mistake, which I am glad (laughs) came out, you know, and um, we didn't go to jail, but we had to pay a huge fine because, you know, um, it's okay to make an honest mistake, but you have a responsibility to know what you're doing. And so I think the um, the duty that we hadn't paid was seven hundred and fifty thousand, and the fine was four hundred and fifty thousand, and we had to pay it in twelve months. Oh, they were tough times. My gosh, <laughs> and that was, that was so tough. And you know, we didn't go to the bank. We just 
traded and paid and lived on noodles and, and you know, a lot of people, when things like that happen in their life, would say, oh, I'm just going to give up. Like we could have gone bankrupt. We wouldn't have had to pay those things, you know. Um, but even during those times, I didn't think that we were a failure. I thought we made a bad decision. You know, we didn't find out exactly what we should be doing. We went by what people told us. We won't be doing that again, you know. Um, and we were more determined to put that aside, trade through, you know, pay LI fines, do the right thing and prove that we were better at business than we had been in the past. And, you know, um, it's happened, which is good. So, you know, there have been really tough times. And I think it's the times when so many other people would give up or walk away. When you are passionate about what you do, that's what keeps you going. If we had just started Lorna Jane to make money, we would have given up because then we wouldn't have paid the fines, you know. But when you're driven by something so much more, you just can't imagine your life without it. So, honestly, bad things happen. We have challenges in Lorna Jane almost daily. It's just that we've learned to cope with them. You know, I remember the first time one of our stores was broken into, it was like the world had come to an end, you know, and and now that can happen quite often, you know, or money goes missing or things like that. And you just take it in your stride now because you get used to coping with it. You have a system, um, you know, I wish bad things didn't happen, but they happen to everybody, whether you have a business or not. It's you just have to create resilience to it and and get the balance sheet right, more good than bad. And because I know you, I know that you're very optimistic and you're always looking for the good in every situation and you don't see your failures as failures. You see them as opportunities for growth. But do you allow yourself to feel really peed off? Like, do you allow yourself to get angry and to get peed off and then go, right, okay, cool. What are we going to do about it? Because I know a lot of people, they sit in that anger or that frustration or that disappointment and that lingers for maybe like a day or weeks or months. But I'm curious to know, do you allow yourself to feel that and then do you just move on? Like, how does that process unfold for you? You know, I definitely allow myself to feel it, but it's usually for a short moment. But that's something that I use with my team. So I really love that question because it's something, you know, when something goes wrong or there's a bad decision made, I will sit the people involved down in a room or in the store or wherever we are and we'll talk about what happened and I will just say to them, okay, now let's just feel that. And I love the power of a pause. So then we pause and we sit and we all feel it. We feel how disappointed we are. We feel how hurt we are that something happened. And then I say, okay, we never want to feel that again. And we move on. Yeah. And that's what I do in my personal life as well. And I think it's a really great leadership tool. I don't know whether I just came up with it or whether I heard it somewhere. I just can't remember. I've been using it for so long. But it just, you have to allow yourself to feel it and remember that feeling. Because I feel like within my business anyway, people try to, not hide it. They would never do that. The people that work for me are extremely honest and open, but they, they want it doesn't feel good, so they want to move on. But I think it's important that you do stop, like you're saying, stop, feel it, know that you don't want to do that again or think through the reasoning and just then allow yourself to move on. Just moving on too, too quickly, I think, um, could possibly allow it to happen again. Mm. 
I talk about this in Mastering Your Mean Girl. I have this concept that I've created. It's very similar to what you're talking about called the pity party dance off. And basically what that is, is you give yourself a time frame and you allow yourself to feel fully angry, frustrated, annoyed, whatever it is, sad for, you know, say um, for someone like you or me, it might be like 10 minutes. All right, I'm going to allow myself to feel this for 10 minutes. And then I'm going to have a pity party dance off, which means I pick the most amazing songs. Think Beyonce, think Rihanna, think Michael Jackson, whatever you want. And I play that song and I literally dance my butt off to that song to shake that energy, that fear or that frustration or that anger out of my body. And this is what I do. Like I allow myself to feel sad, upset, whatever it is for 10 minutes. And then I put on a song and I literally dance my butt off to it. And it's so much fun. And it's a great way to move through that uh, fear or that sadness. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Maybe you could start doing that with your with your team. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a great dancer, but you have the same taste in music as me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you have built a global empire. And it's very easy to look at you and think, oh, she's so successful and she's beautiful and she's kind and she's generous and so much more. But no one really knows what's going on for us inside. Like no one knows what's going on in in our internal world. So can you tell us a little bit about your self-love journey and how that's evolved over the years for you? Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah, I mean, writing, I would never have imagined I would have written a book called Love You, you know? Um, so maybe that would be a story that I should share because I've always been self-confident, you know, I've, I've you know, I, like any woman, I've always thought, oh, I wish I was taller and I wish, you know, I had b- bigger hips and all those <laughs> sorts of things, you know, I want more curves and, you know, we're all like that, you know, we, we question, we love ourselves, but we, we, you know, there's all those little things that we, we like to work on and stuff. But, um, I've always had this confidence and um, I've never really questioned who I am and I, it's always been really clear to me where I want to go with my life. And And it was only to re- only recently that I had a lapse in this and this was, um, and most people have probably heard about it, especially in Australia. I started getting attacked by the media. We have this thing in Australia called toll poppy syndrome and if you get too good or too successful, then people try to, try to find little dints in your armour, you know, things that, that show that you're not the person that you say you are and things like that. And um, I didn't even think I was big enough for that to happen to me, but suddenly it started happening. I'd launched my book Inspired and I was doing a tour with business chicks across Australia. Social media was really, really strong. I was coming up as, you know, one of the most top rated in Australia at that time. And then the media just started and they they started saying things about my brand and, and my message to the world that was completely against everything I believed in. And um, it was really difficult for me. And, and it, if you know me personally, I'm the sort of person that if I have any sort of ill feeling or I feel like there's a little bit of tension or I want to address something with someone, it has to happen straight away. Like I'd say, hey, if it was you and me, Melissa, I'd say, hey, Melissa, can I come over? Let's have a smoothie. I just want to talk to you about something. And I'd just say, you know, is there anything, is everything okay with us? And we'd talk it through and we'd all feel good. I'd hate to have things hanging 
around, you know, if mm, I'm feeling like the energy's not right. So for the media to be going out to the world, because that's what it is these days, and saying all these things about me and suggesting things about my life and who I am and what my business is without letting me be part of the conversation, it broke my heart. I just, you know, I just did not know what to do. I thought anything that I say is going to look like I'm just defending myself or trying to hide something else or, and I just broke down, had the big cry, didn't do the the dance, which I should have. (laughs) And um, I just closed in like, you can't imagine like, well, I'm sure some people can, they've had it themselves, but I had media at my front door, at my office, everywhere I went, they were trying to get hold of me, you know, and it wasn't the nice sort of media that, that you would want to attract. So I just pulled down all the doors, closed the hatchets, that was it. I just wasn't going to speak to anyone. And I did that for two years. I just did not want to be in the public eye because I was – scared of them asking me a question and then me not saying the right thing and it then turning into another story that was completely untrue about my brand and it really played with my self-love and self-confidence and I did ask the question did I want to do this because um, everything that I had built over the last 26 years had I felt like had suddenly unraveled until I realized that um, I just had to keep living my life the way I lived my life and proved them wrong. I thought there's nothing I can say. I just have to keep doing what I'm doing. And there's so many people that love and support our brand. I'm going to do this for them and I'm just going to work through it, which I did and we've come out the other end, which is fantastic. But during this process, I was doing things like I was going into schools and I was talking to young girls about Move Nourish Believe and being fit and healthy and active living, which is my philosophy. And over time, it turned into talking about self-love and self-belief because I felt like this was the message these young girls needed. And as I was talking through it, you know, I'd be standing in front of 3,000 young girls, but their teachers would always or would be there too and some parents would come along. And I just really saw how the message resonated with these people. And I remember saying to Bill, my husband, I really think I'm going to sit down and start to write a little bit more of this because I really think it's a message that people need to hear, I still hadn't realized that I had lost some self-love and self-confidence. It's it's really weird the way you don't realize. It's only when I started to write about it and I started to think about using some of my personal experiences through the untold stories that I realized what had happened to me. And then the book became so much more important to me and so much more personal because I thought, if anybody any woman out there has gone through this herself. Maybe she's been in a bad relationship or it's just been something with her upbringing or family or friends or whatever, school. Um, I thought if I can help them through sharing what I have been through, this really positive person who had so much self-love and self-confidence and self-respect and self-belief to have lost it all through something like I went through with the media, if I can help someone get over this by sharing my experience, then the book needs to be written. And um, it helped. It was really, really tough. I had <laughs> so many times when I just could not get the message out there because the, my confidence had gone, but it w- was really cathartic for me. It really helped me. And, you know, now only last week, 
it was proven that everything that was said against me was not true. Um, but I don't think that would have healed me the same way as this book and doing this personal work has done. Mm. So what are some of the personal work or what are some of the tools that you have used to help with your self-love? Like was there anything in particular? Well, I think going through the attack, well, that's exactly what it felt like. I felt like I was being attacked from all angles. Um, I went through the thought process of, well, do I want to do this? Do I want to lead a public life? Do I want should I continue to inspire women when everyone thinks I'm a bully and someone who doesn't care about women and I'm just chasing money, you know, because these are the things they were saying about me or insinuating. Um, and through all of that, my the first, the very first thing I did was say, I need to live my life according to what I want to do. Like I need to stop right now and decide what is it I want to do with my life? What do I love to do? And how do I go about doing it? So that was the first decision. And that was to stay with Lorna Jane. That was to keep doing what I'm doing and not let all of the women who love us support us and benefit from what we're doing um, miss out on something that they truly, truly love. So I decided to ignore the naysayers and keep moving forward. So I think a really strong message for women is to Take the time, take five minutes every day. I know we're all busy, but take the time to think, what do I do? What do I want to do with my life? And what am I doing about it? That is the most important thing. And I think that shows that you care about what you do with your life. And that's the first step for self love, I think. I think then, then you have to decide to put yourself first. I think you have to. Learn to not go with the flow. You know, like from in my particular instance, I could have gone with the flow and kept reading everything on social media that people were saying about me and burying myself deeper into my heartbreak and misery, but I didn't. I I decided to put myself first and start doing the things I loved and ignore all of the things that people were saying about me. You know, I think it's when you start to put yourself first, you start to develop some more self-respect and then with that comes accepting yourself for who you are. Like, I know who I am. Not many people do that work to know who you are. I know all the good things about me and I know all of the bad things, you know. Um, I've tried to play down a lot of the bad things and work on them, but I still know they're there, you know. I talk over people all the time. But I know that it's because I have high energy and I'm really positive and excited about the conversation, so I don't want to lose that either. So I have to, you know, dance between the two of them. Um, but I think accepting yourself and allowing yourself to be yourself and do the things that you want with your life are all really core to finding self-love and living the life that you love. I mean, Lorna Jane is all about active living, so... It's natural for me, but I think one of the, another important step is that you take care of yourself, you know, that you find the time to eat good food that's going to nourish you, you know, that you move your body every day in some way and that you remain positive and high energy about your life. You know, I just think you need to have this energy to push you forward and, and move you in towards positivity and, and not negativity, you know. Um, I, I, I think one of the and I know I'm going all over the place here, <laughs> sorry, I'm not very good at dot points, but I think one of the um, 
key things for me is that you also learn to have your own opinion and um, and that comes to, I think, self-acceptance, self-love and knowing who you are and where you want to go. I think the um, having your own opinion and having the ability to speak your truth um, comes later down the track, but it's something that we need to realize. We need to realize that we all have a voice for a reason and that what you think and your opinion really does matter in the world. You know, you you can find a way to say everything in a kind way and and I'm, I just want every woman to know that what they do with their life and what they think about what's happening in the world and really does matter, you know. Mm, absolutely. Is there one thing that you've always struggled with in your life? <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. You know, <laughs> um, I've had this question quite a lot and um, I'm, as I said before, I'm one of those person who moves on, you know, and I, I don't know what my brain does, but it tends to like push the things that I struggle with or the challenges in my life aside and I tend to um, have a select memory about them. But, you know, as I said, I've had this question quite a lot. So, I, you know, I asked my mother, I, I rang her up and I said, you know, mum, people are asking me this question. Is there something that I've, you know, been struggling with um, all my life? And it was really interesting because as she was telling me, um, I realized that it was true and, and I started to cry, you know, because oh, I'm going to get emotional, sorry, um, because it was really something that I hadn't totally realized. But as soon as she said it, I knew that it was true. And it was that she said, you know, everyone, you know, she's a mother. She said, you know, you know, darling, everyone has to struggle with something. And she said, even from a young age, as young as four, you struggled with people being mean to you. You know, she said, it wasn't that everyone was being mean to you, but I would see people saying nasty things about other people or um, maybe um, not including me in their playtime and things like that. And mum said that I would go home and I would ask her why people were doing this, you know, and um, she watched me struggle with this through my young ages from like four till eight and her advice had always been like, you know what, you need to rise above it and pretend that it doesn't affect you um, and it'll go away. And, and I did that and it did help. But she says even now she sees me doing that. And she, sorry, she could see the hurt because she's my mother. I don't realize that people can see the hurt, but, um, but she says, I still say to her, why are people so mean? Why don't they just, you know, concentrate on their own life and doing something positive with their life? And I guess I'm still not overcome it. So I'm still struggling with it. But as an adult, you, um, you, find tools to deal with it, you know, and I'm not normally upset about it like I am now. It's just that, you know, I had this conversation with mum just last night, but it's amazing that the core things about your personality and, and things that you struggle with, you do carry through your life. And yes, you you create things to overcome them, but they're still always there, you know. Um, yes, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? It Everyone can relate to that to some degree. And thank you for being so honest and so open because as you're speaking, it's evoking emotion within me and it's taking me back as well. But when you are a shiny human being, 
like you are. You are a shiny, shiny human being. Your, your default setting is optimism. Your default setting is happy, is positivity, is light, is, is shiny. And so when you are that, you are going to create because that that's the polarity. You're going to be a magnet for all of the haters because they see you and they just think, well, why is she so shiny? And the haters that you are a very easy target. And the same thing happens to me. We are, we are easy targets for the people who aren't happy within their own life, but it still hurts. It still hurts and we're still human and we have feelings and emotions. And I'm the same as you. I'm like, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't freaking say it at all. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, I used to, what I remember as a young child is that I was a little bit of a crybaby. I would cry a lot and and talking to mum, she was saying that that's how what you used to do. You used to come home crying and, and not understand what was happening. And I'm not demonstrating that very well today, but I'm not that sort of person now. You know, it, it really takes a turning point or something really huge to upset me and make me cry. So obviously I've developed the tools to stop that sort of expression, but you're right. And, and that is what mum said. She said, you know, it's because you're so happy and bright and it annoys some people, you know what I mean? But it, yeah, it, you can't not be like that, Melissa. We have to be like that. I mean, I don't know any other way to go through life, but some people love that about us and and that's what I tell myself. Absolutely. Some people love it and it'll trigger other people and we can't be all things to all people at all times. And we've, like you said, we've just got to stay true to our truth and ourselves. And, you know, knowing you personally, like you walk your talk. You are a living, breathing, walking, talking example of move, nourish, believe, and active living. Like I know you personally, and I know that's how you live, and you are an eternal optimist, and you are so happy, and it's so beautiful to be around. Like It's refreshing, and for me, I'm like, I want to be around you more. I'm like, can we hang out more? (laughs) I love it. Yeah, we can hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you. So- Oh, it's, it's a pleasure and it's the truth. It is the absolute truth. And, you know, everything that you post and promote, it's just, it's you. It is you. You're not, you're not pretending. You're not faking. And for anyone who knows you personally knows that. Um, and anyone who says anything else doesn't know the real you and, uh, unlucky them. Hey. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it is. It is so personal because, as you say, like Lorna Jane, the business is a true reflection of who I am and my personality and all of the things that I want in my life and I do in my life and 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 it is personal. That's why I love it and that's why when things go wrong, it's so upsetting, you know. So you have to take with the good with the bad in anything in life, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I have a personal question for you, and it's something that I'm really interested in because it's something that I ponder a lot. And I look at you, someone I admire, a very successful businesswoman who's making such a big, beautiful impact in the world and spreading an amazing, inspiring message. And you're inspiring millions all over the world. Do you think that we can still do this and have children at the same time? 
Absolutely. I mean, there are so many successful women in business that have incredible families and family life as well. I mean, I just spent some time on Hamilton Island with Emma Isaacs. I mean, she goes between Sydney and LA. She has four children. She had her baby with her. She was breastfeeding between meetings. I mean, I know so many women who are powerhouses in business and have families. You know, um, for me, it was never really on the cards. I was just, I remember when I, you know, Bill and I first started talking about spending the rest of our lives together and I remember bringing it up and saying, you know, this might be important to you, but I'm not sure that I'll ever want children, you know. And at the time he admits to thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, she just thinks that now because she's so busy and the business is such a focus for her. Um, and I will say that there were certain times in my life as I got a little bit older, I thought, oh, you know, last chance, Lorna, you know, <laughs> are you sure you don't want to have children, you know. But I have this strong belief, and maybe some people won't understand it when it comes to having children, but I really like to feel totally passionate about everything that I do with my life. You know, I think it through. And for me, having children is a huge decision and I would never just go with the flow and do what people expect me to do or um, what is expected when you turn 30 or whatever. You know, I just thought, well, this is my life. I need to decide what I want to do. And I've never really been that passionate about having my own children. I love children. I'm a godmother to so many. And I love all of my friends' children, but I just, it just never was for me. Of course, you know, Bill and I spoke about it. If it happened by accident, we would just go with the flow, you know, because obviously some divine power has decided we should have children <laughs> for the challenge or for the, the joy, who knows. Um, but yeah, I think that women can do it all and I encourage women to do it all. But for me, um, it was just never something that I had to do with my life and I feel that I would need to feel passionate about something so important to actually do it. Mm, I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. So how long have you and Bill been married now? 23 years. Wow, that's so beautiful. So we've been together, um, well, the business is 28 years old, so it'd be like 28 years, 29 years we've been together. And you know what, Melissa? I look at him and I just, it's always in my head. It's so corny. It's like, I love you so much. I only say it, I think a fifth of the time I think it because I just think, oh, you know, he can't have that much love thrown at him all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But I do, I really am so much in love with that man. And I think that it is because we share so much of our life together and he is incredible, of course. Um, And we work on it, you know, we do spend a lot of time together. And I think because we spend a lot of time together, we have grown so close throughout the years. We don't have sort of separate parts of our lives away from each other, except maybe football. I refuse to watch that. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me about working and living together. I've had a few people on the podcast and I'm so curious because I work and live with my husband as well, but he's also, he is the CEO of my business, but he's also a musician and he's got his own thing that he's also working on and he produces and does all his own music, but he still is the CEO of my business. So how do you guys work and live together? Like, do you have any boundaries or things like that that have really worked for you over the years? Um, Well, his office is on one side of the building and mine's on the other. That works. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I guess going back to the very beginning, I started the business on my own. I think I was about two years in before Bill came on board and he pretty much came on board because I'm like, you know, this isn't fun anymore. 
I don't want to do all the serious stuff. I just want to design activewear and inspire women. And he said, well, how about I come on board and do all the stuff you don't want to do? How incredible is that? You know, so um, that's how it started. And the whole idea behind this partnership in life and in business is that he wanted and he thought it was very important that I be left to do the creative, you know, to be the dream keeper, to look at where I, I wanted the brand to go, to design the active way, you know, and not have to worry about the day to day, you know, you know, something that a lot of people don't know about me is I am just no good with money. I cannot look at a spreadsheet. I'm not even interested. If someone puts a spreadsheet in front of me, I just like stare at it do not compute what's in front of me and start thinking, oh, Melissa's hair looks really nice today. You know, I just like <laughs> completely, it's just like I'm just, I shouldn't be in charge of a business. I'm just not interested, you know. So all of that stuff just doesn't work for me. So he came on board and did it. And, um, you know, I don't just work with my husband. I mean, the chapter in Love You about that. I surround myself with family. Yes, this is a global business, but I want it to feel like a family business. I don't want to go to work and be the boss. Like that's one of the worst things people can call me. I don't want people to think of me as the boss, you know. So, um, yeah, at the moment I think my best friend works for me, my brother works for me, um, two sister-in-laws work for me, my husband, well, we work together. Um, Yeah, and and in the past my sister worked with me. My mum used to do the payroll. I never paid her, but anyway. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there was um, so many times. And and then I've got other people that have worked for me for 15, 12 years that started out as people that were working for me, but now they feel like family. You know, I still have the very first sewer that I ever, ever employed doing my samples here in our head office, you know. So I'd like to have people around me and in my life that mean something to me. You know, I go on a, I go on a trip to LA or a business trip anywhere in the world. And when I come back, everyone knows that they have to hug me, you know? So it's, it's one of those things. I like that. So maybe that's why it works for Bill and I, but you know, we do have arguments. Like, please, we do have arguments. Like I (laughs) quite often feel sorry for people like, you know, who have maybe just started in management and we're, we're in the boardroom and we're having a pretty serious conversation. And Bill and I just let it loose, like never personal, never, <laughs> never, never personal. But we will have a strong opinion on something and we'll make sure that it's heard. But I think it, because it's husband and wife, people st- you can see them like sinking in their chairs <laughs> as we're um, having the discussion. But, um, yeah, and there's something that we do do, like, that I think might help other people in business. Like if we say had one of those discussions and we're not perfect, it maybe went a little bit astray. What I've learned, and I think Bill actually taught me this, um, is never to take it further at that time. If ever I have something that, you know, I'm out somewhere and Bill says something or he acts a certain way or, you know, that upsets me, I'll wait till that night or the next morning and I'll just have a really quiet conversation with him and say like, honey, you know that thing that you did or you said, that really hurt my feelings, you know, and, I, and I'll t- explain to him why and what it felt like. And, you know, it might have been something that was purely because of where I was at the time and it wasn't 
meant to hurt or make me feel uncomfortable or whatever, you know, Um, and we just have a chat about it. And he usually says, oh, my goodness, I didn't realize. I'm so sorry I won't do it again. So we've learned to have any personal discussions after the fact when there's less emotion and also away from, from other people, I guess. Although we do have some really wild conversations when we're walking the dogs. I'm sure all of the neighbours think that we're going to get divorced any day now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, that's a really great tip. Thank you for sharing that. I'd love to hear now, what's one thing that's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? My husband and my puppy. Every day I wake up and I just think to myself, I am so happy to have the two of you in my life and on this journey. You know, it's the simplest things that bring you joy, I think. Mm, Absolutely. Now, is there one thing that you are working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? I'm perfect, no, just joking. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's so many things. Like I'm really impatient. Like if I have an idea about something, I want it to happen straight away, you know. Um, At the moment, I'm planning January and I'm wanting all the team to look at it and they're still looking at, you know, November and December. So I I, I need to work on my impatience and and understand people's workloads and things like that. So, um, but, you know, I've been working on it for a long time. I just feel like sometimes the things that you need to work on, it's more about work on accepting them and managing them because I feel like the intensity that I bring to the business is something that it needs as well, you know. So um, it's just, yeah, understanding, accepting, and maybe doing a little bit of work on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I, I definitely can relate to that. So now let's pretend that you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides all of your amazing books, let's pretend that they're already in the curriculum. Do you have one book that you would choose? Well, yours is pretty good, but I can't say that either. I'm sure that's off the list, Mastering Your Mean Girl. But there is one that um, I don't even know the author, you might know, but one that we we pass around at work and we give to our new employees. And I think it's something that is needed in society right now. And it's Eat the Frog First. Have you heard of that book? I have. I have. It's great. I love it because it just teaches people to do the hard stuff first. It's basically about, you know, Facing a Monday, for example, with a list of things to do, and there's always something on that list that you don't want to do, and naturally you will want to do it last. But this book teaches you and encourages you to do it first, and then the rest of your day feels amazing. And um, I feel like that's something that the younger generation, hears me sounding old now, but tend to do, and it's something that we need to um, show them not to do. Mm, Absolutely. I think that's such a great book. I do MITs, which is most important tasks. So as soon as I sit down in the morning, I write down my three MITs for that day, my most important tasks. They're my frogs, the hardest things that I have to do. And I do them first before I do the posting on social media or um, checking emails or those things, those tasks that don't require as much focus and concentration and um, oomph, you know, I do my most important tasks first and then I move on to the other stuff. So that's the same, similar sort of concept. 
And, you know, I'm listening to you say that. I just feel like, you know, I need to get better at that because those emails, and they really do draw you in, don't you, in social media. So, um, yeah, I'm going to start doing that today as well. I used to do it and I used to be really strong with it. So you've inspired me, Melissa. Oh, good. Yeah, it really does make a difference because then if you – and sometimes I only have one or two MITs or one or two frogs and once you've got them done and they might be really chunky things like they might be writing a whole article for the blog or writing a whole article for another company um, so they're big and chunky tasks but once you've ticked them off anything else is a bonus you know and it, it's you give yourself such a sense of satisfaction for the rest of the day yeah it's such a great feeling when you get some things that are really important done in the morning. It just really lifts you, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So speaking about your morning, let's talk about your day and how your day looks and your and mo- more specifically your morning routine. I'm obsessed with hearing about people's routines and how they prime themselves, as Tony Robbins says, for the day. Like how do you set yourself up for a successful day? You know, I, I absolutely agree with you. Like what you do in the morning sets you up for the rest of the day. And, and I encourage everybody. I know it's difficult for a lot of people to become morning people because, you know, I, I think if you can get your morning right, then it really does um, improve your whole life. So I, I wake up in the morning. I try to wake up um, naturally. So that's usually about five o'clock. Um, I sit for about 10 minutes and I just um, meditate. I practice a little bit of gratitude and I just do that like I'm not the great greatest at meditation I don't like to sit still it's not really something that comes natural to me but I just you know sit cross-legged up against my bed head and um, it's a really great time of day to do it because your mind is really clear I find when I first wake up in the morning there's two or three things that come into my head that I've possibly been pondering over like for two days, you know. So I think it's a great time to actually get some clarity and and think about what you want to do for the rest of your day. So a bit of meditation, some gratitude. Um, then I get up, I um, make myself a smoothie and I work out. Um, and then I um, have a, another breakfast. Um, or if I have to get to work, you know, a little bit early, I have that second breakfast when I'm at work. Um, and I, then I start my day. So I do my emails, which will now be my MITs. Yes. And and that's it. You know, I tend to like to, I like to work out in the morning because that's, um, you know, I love my work and I find that I can easily talk myself out of working out in the afternoon. Oh, me too. Me too. I'm a morning exerciser for sure. So now I'd love to hear what are three things you're most recently grateful for? You've said gratitude quite a few times and I know it's a big importance to you. So what are three things that you're most recently grateful for? Okay, um, the word recently is, is making me rethink them but because really um, I'm mostly grateful for the people in my life and it's that's not recent, but I'll tell you what I'm most grateful for. I'm most grateful for the people in my life because I think they're what make your life so full. You know, I have amazing family, friends, and people that work for me, and I just love being around them. So I'm grateful for those. I'm grateful for my health. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that I, I get to um, 
exercise every day. I'm grateful that I can see this beautiful planet that we live in and I can hear everything that's happening. You know, I just really grateful for my health because I know that it's not good health is not the case for so many people. And number three, I guess, would have to be I'm grateful for the opportunities. I'm grateful for the things that have happened in my life that have given me clarity so that I have found the path to do what I love. And that's what drives me every day. I want to help other women and other people to find that because I know how good it feels to do what you love every day. I know how good it feels to be fit and healthy. I know how good it feels to surround yourself with amazing people and have so much positive energy around you. And I just want that for everybody else. Beautiful. Because we're all worthy of it. We all deserve it. Mm, Absolutely. We just have to, as I said earlier, we just have to find a couple of minutes every day to ask ourselves the question, what do I want to do with my life and how do I go about doing it? Yeah, absolutely. Taking that time, creating that space every single day. It's so important. Yeah, because I hear people all the time, it's, oh, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. How do you find the time? We all have the same amount of time in our day. It's just, I look at it, we have to make what's important to us a priority. And every day we, we make hundreds of decisions. We make, you know, do I sleep in or do I work out? Do I eat a healthy breakfast or do I grab something from a takeaway? You know, do I stay back at work or do I get home and see my kids before they go to sleep? There are so many decisions that we make every single day that move our life into a direction, you know, and every day it's different. Some days you have to stay back at work, but most days you you could be home with your family, you know. I just think we just have to look at every single decision we make and try to make them good ones. Mm, Absolutely agree. Okay, I've got three little rapid fire questions for you. You ready? Yep. What is one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? Drink water. Yeah, love it. So simple. Okay, what is one of the most important things that we can do for more wealth in our life, more abundance in all areas of our life? Um, Love yourself. Yeah. And what is one of the most important things that we can do for more love in our life? Love yourself first and know that you're lovable. Mm, I love that. And finally, what is one thing that I personally and the listeners can do to serve you today? You are always giving so much to so many other women. You're constantly of service. You're constantly inspiring and empowering others. So what can we do to for you, to serve you? Oh, that's such a great thing to say. I love that. Um support other women. You know, I think not don't get caught up in negativity. Like when you see someone or someone says something to you or they do something for you and you love it or you think it looks amazing or it's changed your day, tell them. Share the love and support other women. Don't get caught up in negative social media. You know, be kind to the people in your life and the people that you know and love, but also the people that you don't know. Don't judge other people. Support other women and other people. And the world will be such a better place. 
Oh, I couldn't agree more. It's just so true. The more we share and support and help each other rise, is it's what we're here for, to collaborate and to connect and to lift each other up. I love that so much. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it also makes you feel good about yourself. Being negative and, and hating on other women, you know, cannot make you feel good about yourself. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. The the gift is in the giving, isn't it? Yeah. Well, my darling Lorna, this has been so beautiful. I have loved this conversation. Is there anything else that you want to say to our gorgeous listeners? No, I think um I think you've said it all, but I just want to encourage everybody to um follow their dreams, you know, be fearless, love yourself unconditionally and you know, create an amazing life for yourself. Oh, thank you so much. I just want to say how much I love you and how grateful I am to have you in my life. And I want to acknowledge you for the work that you do in the world. I am so grateful that I stumbled across your Lycra many, many years ago. I think it was one of the first stores um, in Stone's Corner, maybe, um, or near Stone's Corner. Yeah, that was one of the first. Yeah, Yeah. I went there with my mum and I used to be a dancer and she bought me my first LJ crop top and it was like the best day ever. <laughs> and I still have it. I've, I've told you this before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it next time I see you. And I just want to acknowledge you and I'm so honoured to have you in my life. You're such an inspiration to me and for all the work that you do in the world to empower women, we are so lucky to have a trailblazer like you. So thank you so much. It's been awesome chatting to you and I can't wait to see you soon. Yes, thank you. And I would just like to also acknowledge you because you are such a supporter of other women and you are a shining light yourself and I absolutely love you to pieces so thank you Melissa Abmasini for everything that you do oh thanks Lorna I'll see you soon my pleasure yep see you soon bye beauty bye I love that woman so much and I hope you got as much as I did out of today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Lorna and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 49. And you can also check out all my other podcast episodes there too. Also, just a reminder that you can now pre-order my next book, Open Wide, The Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex. And if you pre-order before December 18, you can get your hands on some epic bonuses that you do not want to miss out on. Also, tickets for the Open Wide tour that I'll be doing with my husband in January and February of 2018 are now available, and they are selling like gluten-free hotcakes. So head to nickandmelissa.com to get your tickets today. Thank you so much for being here, beautiful, and for wanting to be the best version of yourself possible and for showing up today for you. 
You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from today's episode, please go ahead and share it with them right now. You can screenshot it, share it on your social media or text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this into their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Before I go, don't forget, if you are a female coach, consultant, or service provider wanting to take your business to six or seven figures, check out SheLaunch. All you have to do is head to SheLaunch.com, watch the free training on that page, and book in your free call. That's SheLaunch.com. Head there right now, and I cannot wait to meet and work with you and take you and your business to the stars. Now is the time, my friend.